0: Uh, we are uh, jumping into a, a time of uh, kind of uh, a extended time of worship tonight um, in a way that is not going to extend our time as normal, but just add some music within our time today and uh, kind of intersperse some different things as we do sometimes on Saturday night. And we're going to do it all based on Psalm 63. So I would encourage you to get your Bible out uh, or get your phone out or uh, get your memory out if you've memorized it. That's great too. Uh, But we're going to be in Psalm 63, a psalm written by David. And as we are aware, uh, many of us uh, have grown up hearing that uh, David had a heart uh, for God. Um, Now, certainly, there were a lot of things that he didn't have going for him, a lot of um, issues, some poor decisions that he made. Um, But over the course of his life, we also find that he was a worshiper of God, even from early on in his life. And. um, this interesting, inter- I found this uh, from uh, regarding Psalm 63, uh, Chrysostom. He was the Archbishop of Constantinople in around 347 AD. And uh, here's what he, would, he was known for saying. It was that uh, he believed that the ancient church, as he understood it, which would have been the first two or three hundred years before him, uh, many of the ancient people in the ancient church would not go a day without quoting or singing Psalm 63. Um, Because it really does speak to the heart of who we are. Um, It speaks to uh, us living a life of worship. And so we're going to dig down into this for a few minutes tonight. Um, I remember whenever I was uh, in elementary school, uh, early middle school years, Um, And and don't judge me. I realize realize I'm in Texas Ranger land, but I was just such an avid Houston Astro fan. Uh, Still am. Uh, I don't know all the players as well anymore because, uh, you know, even if you're in Houston, you can't hardly see the games on TV. But um, I will say that uh, back in the late 1970s, early 1980s, um, I was just so into the Astros, so much so. I mean, here's, here's how bad it is. You ready for this? Um, uh, 1980s Astros, Enos Cabell, third base, Craig Reynolds, shortstop. Um, let's see, uh, Joe Morgan, second base, um, uh, Art Howe, first base, uh, 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 Jose Cruz, left field. You like how I did that? There you go. Um, We also had Cesar Cedeno in right field. Terry Poole was center, although sometimes they move Cesar Cedeno into center field. Alan Ashby was catcher. Um, Joe Necro was a pitcher as well as J.R. Richards and Nolan Ryan. How about that? Nolan Ryan was also, yes he was, and uh, Joe Sambito was the closer Good old Joe. Uh, That was the 1980s Houston Astros. I watched as many games as I possibly could, went to as many games as my parents would purchase tickets, and in every one of those games that I watched, either live or on the TV, I actually filled out one of the scorecards. The whole game. So I knew all of their stats. I knew everything. I, I, I could not wait until the next game when that game was over. As a matter of fact, there wasn't anybody who was forcing me to do it. There wasn't anybody who was begging me to do it. Um, I just did it. And that year, it was a great year to be an avid Astros fan. As a matter of fact, it was their first year in their franchise history to ever go to the playoffs. Um, They actually beat Astros. The Los Angeles Dodgers in a tie uh, that sent them in a, they were tied for the West and then they won that tiebreaker, went on to play the Philadelphia Phillies in the National League Championship and lost to the Phillies uh, three games to two, to two, keeping them out of the World Series. Um, but wow, 1980, I mean, I was into every single game. I was a little addicted. I bet you, if you were to look over the course of your life, there's something that you've been just a little addicted to. Something that you just had so much of a hunger for that you just could not wait to do whatever it was or to be with whoever it was or to watch whatever it was again. I think our heart can latch on to something and all of a sudden it's not about being forced to do it. It's not about being required to do it it's just because we have that desire inside of us and so the next few minutes I want us to dive into Psalm 63 because what David exemplifies for us is that kind of desire for the one true God it wasn't a psalm that he wrote, it wasn't a lifestyle that he lived that was done so because he was forced to or because somebody begged him to or because somebody paid him money to or because it was just out of habit. It was because he had a heart for God. It starts out this way in Psalm 63 verse 1. "O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. David is in this moment as he introduces the chapter mentally picturing the Lord. Mentally picturing God as I am looking at you in your holy sanctuary and recognizing who you are, God. And so the first question that we enter into as we discover the heart of a worshiper is, am I aware that God is here? Am I aware that he is in this moment? You see, some some say that David was actually in the wilderness at this time because he was fleeing his son Absalom. Uh, and so it was a, a a momentary time away from the kingdom as king, and you know he was basically running for his life. Uh, others actually say, no, no no, actually th- this was before he actually became king uh, and and Saul was after him at this point, and that 's the point at which this psalm was written, but regardless, he was in the wilderness without water, but he knows that God is there, just as God has been." in every other location where David was. Just as he was there when David was fighting Goliath, just as he was there when David was fighting off the bears and the lions to protect those sheep, God is there. And David is speaking to him, and my curiosity goes to each one of us in this moment. Are we aware that he is here? You know, you don't have to ask him to be here. You no, know, You never do. He, he is here. He's here in this moment. So I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And uh, as you do, I'm going to invite you to uh, just allow a picture of God to come into your mind. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means for you. Isaiah had some thoughts about that as God revealed himself to Isaiah. Where does your mind go? And then, next what's on your heart to tell him go ahead and tell him right now just just tell him maybe what you want to tell him is i've just been going so fast and so hard that it's been hard for me to focus on you at all and so god forgive me but i'm just gonna exhale me right now and inhale you in this moment god i'm gonna breathe you in maybe that's your prayer tonight i don't know But allow your mind's eye to picture him in this moment. What do you say? So how do we respond to God? You know, David begins to... Uh, give us a great example here of how we respond to him. Um, How do we respond to a God who calls us into the richest relationship that we will ever experience in our lives? Um, Is it designed to just be a one dimensional relationship? I I would say the answer to that is no. Right. Um, I mean, it doesn't make sense even here on earth. Right. Let's just pick a really close friendship that you have or, a marriage or, you know, somebody that you're just really, really close to, why is that relationship so significant? Why is it special? It's probably not because it's one-dimensional. Um, imagine for a minute if, if, if Holly and, and I had this type of relationship. Every time I, I talked to her, I would say, Holly, will, will you fix me dinner? Uh, will you wash my clothes? Will you buy me that book? Will you mow the grass? will you talk to that couple over there who isn't convinced at all that I preach very well and convince them otherwise will you tell me what a great husband I am and at this point you're thinking she's got some she's going to tell you yes probably not that if that's, if that's all that the relationship was built on it would be really one dimensional wouldn't it Or what if every time we spoke, it was, Holly, you are so awesome. And she's like, well, yes, I I know. Randy, I I know that. Well, Randy, where where, where do you want to eat? I mean, you are just so amazing. Well, yeah, I was just curious what you were thinking about. I mean, you you are just so gracious. Uh, Randy, barely. I'm barely gracious with you right now. Uh, We we really need to talk, Randy. You are so, you are so... And you see, again, it becomes very one-dimensional. As as silly as that sounds, we can become quite one-dimensional with God. I think that's why the biblical writers, inspired by the Spirit... Uh, give us so much more than just a one-dimensional component to that relationship with God. We, we find John writing in 1 John one nine. If, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He, he speaks to us about that confession component of our relationship with God. Or if we jump into maybe looking at Paul's writings and we see this intercession for others that he camps out on in various places this 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 praying for the needs of others and in first timothy 2 1 he says pray for all people intercede on their behalf ask god to help them Uh, petition another word that gets thrown around in in biblical church circles at times and really that's just a, a a word to describe us going to god with the needs that are in our life and we find biblical writers certainly going to God on a variety of different needs that they have in their lives. Not to mention this Hebrews writer in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. He says, let us come to the throne boldly and we will find grace to help us wherever we need it. Wherever we need it. I mean, he he, he, he lays it all out there and says, okay, you just feel comfortable, follower of Jesus, to come to him with Anything that you have need of. Paul again in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 camps out on that whole Thanksgiving side and we're going to come back to this in a minute but it's just whenever he says um, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 be thankful in all circumstances. And we, that we go to God in that dimension of our cognizant world that we just are so very grateful to him for what he's doing in and around us. And then there's this praise component, and, and sometimes that's just kind of where we kind of camp out whenever we come into a worship experience like this, but hopefully an experience like this has lots of those built in as an opportunity corporately, and then how, how do we exhibit those in our life individually? How, how does that look in our own uh, private time with God? And so what we find in the scriptures is uh, people like David and the Psalms, well, you know, he, he, oftentimes he's, he's writing these, these songs, and it's not like he's writing them to then deliver them at a corporate level. These are songs that are written in very private times with him and, and the Lord, and uh, certainly one of those would be Psalm 63. Verse three through five now, we continue on this man after God's heart, not a perfect man, a man with deep flaws, a man who struggles with sin just as we do. And yet the worshiper of one true God. And here he goes, he continues on by saying, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Verse 3, 4, and 5 shows us David praising God, recognizing who God is and who he is. His His sights are set on God Almighty and his Love and the blessing that he receives from him and he lifts his hands up to God in recognition that it is about God that it is all him David praises him acknowledging him that he is God and that David is not that he is well we fill in the blanks why don't we at this time who is God to you That God is Alpha and Omega, that he's beginning and end, that he is omniscient and omnipotent and omnipresent, that he is just and merciful and gracious and faithful and loving and truth and worthy and savior and sovereign and sufficient, and the list goes on and on and on, and so now I invite you again, just close your eyes, this month. just just the last couple of weeks. Maybe go back into June if you need to. Who has God been to you? How would you praise him? God, you finish this sentence. God, you have been what? What has he been to you? Will you say that to him? So will be satisfied as with fat and rich foods And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips And then he says When I remember you upon my bed And meditate you in the watches of the night Watches of the night um, that, That's not a term that we're probably very familiar with But uh, there were four three hour watches of the night That was terminology really based on protecting Right The, 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 the city uh, the watchman would take those three-hour increments. And in. so the, the night, literally from sundown to sunup, would be divided out in these three-hour increments for the watchman. And so as, as he's using this terminology, it, it really makes great sense. Because what we're going to find in a moment is he, he's, he's so very thankful to God for having been his protector, so I wonder if maybe that image just kind of pops into his mind, even as he's there in whatever watch of the night it is, as he's there in the wilderness by himself. And he's thinking about God, and he's uh, this word meditate shows up here. and It actually is the same uh, verb that goes all the way back to, uh, let's see, verse 2, uh, when he says... I've, I've looked upon you in the sanctuary. I, I have I've gazed upon you. I have, I have z- zeroed in. I have zoned in on you, God. And so he's, he's zoning in again. He's zeroing in on God. Meditating on God. Listening to God. Maybe going back through in his mind what he's been taught about God. Maybe going back in his mind the lessons that God's taught him as he's grown up into a young adult. But in this moment, it's all about him focusing in on God's words to him. We have a whole completed now book that is God's love letter that has his words in it for us to meditate on. And so as we go through this next time, Michael's going to play, and it's not going to have any words attached to it to get us distracted. Uh, We've just chosen some scriptures to be on the screen that we know speak to the character of God and specifically as it relates to His will for us because it comes out of His character, out of who He is. So I'm going to invite you to, in this continued spirit of worship, to just zero in on the words. And as you do, know they are words from him. And maybe as you do, and you're listening and listening to his voice speak those words, allow him to attach those words to experiences in your life. Maybe moments that are coming up where you're going to need what he's talking about. Maybe something that you've been battling or dealing with that. What, you, what you're about to see on the screen is exactly what you need, you see, because you're going to meditate on that, and God's Spirit is going to connect the dots for you. So use that, use this time to allow Him to do that at this time. So we were at family camp a couple weeks ago in, in, in Riley my 11 year old, um, she was doing archery and, um, all of our kids were doing archery and, um, and they each got like, I think four arrows at a time. I think in the first round, they, they all, they all fire away. And, and, and and some of them, I mean, they, I mean, they all hit, hit it in different ways. Um, Riley in her first uh, set of four arrows, one of her arrows went, um, literally now some would say that what I'm about to tell you is is, is pretty remarkable, and, and it is. I, I will say that um, Levi actually hit one that went hit the ground, bounced up off the ground, and went to the target. Now that's that's a whole another level of skill right there. But 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 Riley's actually went into the target. It went into the bullseye, and I had to look at it two or three times to realize what had happened. It went into the smallest inner circle in the bullseye and was exactly in the center of that ring. I, I've never done that. And I didn't tell her that, but I, I've never done that, right? Okay, so we just spent a little bit, just a little bit of time in meditation, just a little bit. And and here's my thought, is that, that something happened just now. That something happened in our worship That was encouraging, convicting, affirming, challenging. I I don't know. My encouragement to you is God did something there. Don't ignore the fact that it hit the bullseye. And then do the next thing. As Oswald Chambers says in his book, My Utmost for His Highest, when we have doubt about what God's will is, Oftentimes, the next thing to do is the next step. It's the last thing God told you to do. And so you just take that next step, you see. Well, David, he had been meditating on God, and what God brought to his attention was how God had been his protector. He's meditating, and in verse 7, it says, David says, For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Did you see what happened there? Did you you, you notice what got connected? David is so very full of gratitude. And in that gratitude, it is then fueling his joy. It is fueling his worship It is fueling his rejoicing before the Lord. He sings for joy in verse 7 and 8. And so the question is, um, what is it that you are really so very grateful for that can fuel your joy in this moment, but also in the coming days? So I'm going to invite you again. Do this with me. Let's close our eyes. And as we do... We're going to approach the next few minutes in a spirit of gratitude. What has God done in your life today, this week, this month, that you are so very thankful for? And maybe you haven't told him, or at least not lately. And you would just say, thank you, God. God, thank you that you have been my healer. God, thank you for... For my spouse. Thank you for my children. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for that extra $500 that showed up. Thank you, God, for the $500 that didn't show up and yet you made a way anyway. Thank you, God, for my salvation. You fill in the blanks, but as you do, will you enter into it with the time of just gratitude to him for what he's done